Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome to High Stakes, episode 37. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. High Stakes is produced by Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at AwesomeYo. And I am here today with Matthew Bellman, aka at Fantasy Tips Matt on Twitter. He is mbellman967 on DraftKings and FanDuel. He's the ninth ranked MLB DFS player in the world. He also crushes NBA. He crushes esports. He is a high stakes, successful high stakes sports better. Really happy to have you on today, Matthew. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm always doing well after those intros. I don't know how someone could be introed by you and not be doing well. I wish I had that every time I woke up. Uh, other than that, I'm doing well, man. So thanks for having me on here. Kind of pumped to to have a, a, a long convo with you. Well, thank thank you for coming on. Uh, always always enjoy doing these conversations where we just get to talk about like more high level stuff. You and I, of course, did an MLB strategy show where we got to talk about a slate, but it's and we we got a little bit higher level. But it, it's always fun to just be able to do a whole show where we're just doing high level stuff. But we're gonna start low level here. What what is your uh, favorite sports team and or athletes? Where are you from? What what's the reasoning for your favorite teams, etc.? Tell me about your uh, your fandom. Born and raised in Cleveland, like in the suburbs, for those who aren't familiar with Cleveland, like about 30 minutes outside the city. I'm back there now uh, after having traveled to, for school, and I'm sure we'll get into all that. But my sports teams are all Cleveland teams. I'm a huge Cleveland head. I love the land. Browns, Cavs, Guardians. Uh, baseball is my favorite sport, so I would say like that's reverse order. Probably in Guardians, excuse me, are my favorite team. Then Browns and Cavs. Uh, like right after that, I love them all. I'm also a huge Ohio State fan, uh, even though I did not go to college there. Uh, my favorite athlete has got to be has got to be LeBron. I mean, title the Cleveland. He was my year in high school. Uh, wow, went to high school close to me. Uh, was an amazing high school football player. All state Ohio as a freshman was like one of the best 
football players in the state as a freshman, which is impressive. I actually saw him play my local high school in basketball uh, our senior years, which was awesome. Shaq and Kobe walked in the gym. So it was no way. Yeah. It was a surreal experience. He's got to be my favorite guy. Other than that, it's all like old 90s Indians. Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey, yep. Albert Bell. I love those guys. All right. And then, of course, you're, you're from Cleveland is the, the great reason there. Um, so I, I'm assuming that your your little your high school didn't do too well against LeBron James, or am I wrong about that? Well, uh, my I went to a private school, so my local okay. high school played them. Okay. And they actually did – they lost the game. But the, my local high school had – there was an old basketball player named Jim Jones. He was way before, you know, even our time. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him. He has triplets. Um, and they actually kind of went back and forth between the local high school and the different different private schools. They were playing for the for my local high school at the time. It was a very competitive game. Those guys played like lower-level D1. Um, so they were good. And they had other good okay. players on the team. In the second half, LeBron squad, St. Vincent, St. Mary's took over, but it was like a fun atmosphere and it was a good game for a while. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like that would be a lot of fun just to be able to, to watch LeBron in high school. And of course, not was, to be able to say that you watched LeBron can't get much better than that. It was crazy. I got tickets because I, one of my mom's best friends was a teacher at, at Orange, which is the local high school. And, you know, they, it was like $10 for me. I remember walking into the stadium people were offering hundreds of dollars for these tickets. It was wow. crazy for a high school game. Never yeah. seen anything like it. It's because the gym wasn't that big. They ended up moving a lot of his games to bigger gyms because of like that same reason, but just a surreal experience. One I'll never forget. Yeah. yeah, That's, that's very cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you, you alluded to, you went out of state for college. Uh, yeah. As you know, we do like to, I do like to get into background a little bit on here, but we'll start with uh, just let's the GFS related stuff. And then we'll get into your background in terms of, you know, school, professional, et cetera. But starting with, uh, do, do you have any kind of background in statistics? Do you have any formal or informal training? Um, I was reading the run sheet before and I kind of chuckled. No, but yes, because I've been playing fantasy sports since basically I came out of the womb. Yep. I was in a fantasy baseball league with my dad when I was seven years old. I was going to the drafts involved in it. This was before like the, not before the internet was around, but before there was fantasy baseball on the internet, you had to send your lineups in. Um, fun fact, Bill Lambeer was in the league for a couple of years. So wow. it was like, yeah, it was a, a fun league, you know, high stakes. I was doing it with my dad and that kind of got me hooked forever. Can we talk about Bill Lambeer for just a second? Because when I think sure. of like NBA, like actual assholes, like people that every interview I see with them, I'm like, that guy's a dick. Like, it's not just like an act. I think he's actually a dick. Uh, do you actually know Bill Lambeer? Can you, uh, can you no. counter that? Okay. I don't actually know him. I was very young for the couple of years he was in the league. To me, he seems like the prototypical one of those guys that, and maybe even like the best example of this ever, maybe Bill Lambier, someone you hate if he's on the other team, but love when he's on your team. Oh, now, for sure. I do get it though. Like I've heard him in interviews and he sounds like such a dick, such an asshole. But then on the other hand, he was like a coach in the WNBA for a while. So how okay. big of a dick could he actually be? You know, that's a good point. Yeah. I just, his interview sounds like he's still like, just like kind of got a bitterness to him or I don't know, something, yeah. something about his interviews. It's like, you, there are, there are those players like that were in the league that like, while they're in the league, I'm like, I fucking hate this guy. He seems like a real asshole. And then like, 
when you see like as adults, like later on after they've retired, they can, they're like reflective and like, seems like they've grown and matured and like it's different. And I, I think, but I don't really know anything about Bill Ember. That's based on like very few uh, clips of him. So maybe, maybe he is actually a great guy. And I'm just, uh, maybe, maybe he was doing a bit too, you know, leaning into the, the bad yeah. boys thing a little bit. Who knows? Um, I that's cool. I more. I just, he, you know, I just name dropped him cause he was in the fantasy baseball league for a couple I mean, that's of years. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish I knew more. That's all I got. All right. Uh, next question. What kind of training, formal or informal, do you have in computer programming, if any? None. I know that you're a hand builder, so probably uh, not going to be as relevant. Or I, I, I am, believe. I am a hand builder, but, I, you know, we'll get into this, I'm sure, when we talk yeah. more about, like, the specifics. I have access to uh, optimizers, and I use them. I work with them. I just specifically hand build my lineups. Sure. Um, I like doing it. Sorry, I got something caught in my throat. Um, but I have no background in computer programming at all. All right, easy one. All right, now tell me about your professional and and you, you say that you uh, you moved away to go to college for to undergrad. Uh, what kind of background do you have in terms of like uh, education and professional background? I did. I as I mentioned, I grew up, born and raised in like the suburbs of Cleveland. I went to school in New Orleans. Uh, I went to Tulane. It was okay. a really fun time um, from what I can remember. Were you there uh, during the hurricane? time in college? I was. So when I said I, I did not go to Ohio State, I, I lied a little bit because I went there for a quarter okay. during Hurricane Katrina. Uh, one of my best friends at college or from college was from Columbus. Uh, and, you know, his his dad was like a doctor there. So got us a really cool place and went to Ohio State for a quarter. A cool. lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people stayed wherever they went during that time because better schools were you know Tulane's right. a good school but it's not an Ivy League school or it's not a Tufts sure. if you will so Tufts took on know, some some people yes, some students exactly. from Katrina I'm so, sure they yeah. and, a, and a lot of those kids stayed because you know they it was you know one of those things almost better lucky than good sometimes because you get a degree from a slightly better school sure I was you know not entirely worried about that or not worried about that at all I thought Tulane was fine so I went back uh, I had a great time graduated. Um, and then I moved to Denver and I lived in Denver for about 10 years. Uh, the background there is my father owns a lumber company in Cleveland. So I always thought I'd be working for him. That was kind of the yeah. growing up. It's just what it was. Me and him are very close. I've always been close, still remain very close to this day. So I got a job at another lumber company in Colorado to kind of, you know, get my feet wet. He didn't want to hire me coming out of college, all that stuff. So I, I took that job and like a month into it, actually a day into it, I knew it just was not for me. Okay. I hated it. I hated everything about it. I was in the sawmill for like 10 hours a day. They did not like me. I did not like them. So you're doing like it, manual labor or what kind of work are you doing? Like kind of all the above. I was okay. getting training and all of it. So I was in the sawmill and I know about all this stuff. Cause like I said, my dad owns a lumber company, but you know, I'd never been like stacking lumber for you know hours straight stacking lumber you know going on deliveries doing all that stuff and i quickly learned it it just was not for me at all okay. so i ended up parting ways with them and got a job selling windows okay. and yeah it was a it, it, the the company was based in boulder i was in denver it's about a half hour drive great drive if you ever if you've ever done it um and it was full commission job we sold like the highest end window you could sell and I took it on really well. I was very successful with it. I was making way more money than I'd ever made in my life and just kind of living the life. The problem with it though, was because it was full commission and I was like 
you know, 23, 22, 24 in, around there, partying with my friends, et cetera. I got lazy with it. I would sell a couple of deals, have more than enough money to be happy for a while, you know, call in sick, make excuses okay. to get out of it. So I realized, you know, not that long into it, you know, a year, year and a half into it that I was fine doing it for now, but it wasn't going to be something long-term for me. So how did you get into commercial real estate? was always something I was interested in. Um, I have a cousin who I'm close with. And as a family, we own a bunch of houses by Case Western Reserve, which is a college in Cleveland, uh, about a half hour away from us. So I've always been involved with it um, and was interested in, in potentially making that a, a career. So uh, I got hired at a, a you know pretty good uh, real estate agency um, and was was liking it, was doing it. I had a ton of free time on my hands. That's just how real estate works. You'll be really, really busy and then you won't have anything to do for a while. So started to get into DFS. Um, I was already playing, you know, big money year long leagues, which obviously has nothing to do with DFS, but I thought I knew everything. Sure. So I thought this is the perfect opportunity. Yeah, of course. So it thought it was the perfect opportunity to get into DFS. Um, to answer your, you know, maybe not your next question, but a question coming up. I was definitely not as profitable as I wanted to be or profitable at all from the start. Uh, it took a while to learn the nuances, to learn, you know, basically everything that needs to be learned about DFS. It's so much more than just play the best plays, which, you know, to common people or people that don't know, it seems so obvious and so easy, but it's, you know, obviously not so easy. Right. So started playing more DFS, started making more money playing DFS as I was doing it more, you know, kind of realized that, you know, as much as I liked commercial real estate and real estate in general, it wasn't a passion of mine. So my passion of mine was sports and making money. And I figured this was a good opportunity where I could kind of combine the two and do both. Uh, and I took my shot and I did it. Um, so that's kind of when, when was this about? Like how, how many years ago are we talking? We're talking like seven years ago. Okay. Wow. So yeah, like seven, six, seven years ago, like 2017, like that lineup I sent you was from 2017. Yeah. That was like the, I really started to get into it. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I can talk to you about how I like got started in DFS, but I don't want to like, just keep talking and talking. So go ahead. <laughs> well, you're just, you're answering all my questions for me. This is what happens when I send people the run sheet. It's like, all yeah, right, right. I'm ready to go. I've got these questions in front of me. No need for Neil to be here. Um, yeah. So, I mean that you, you are correct. I was going to ask you whether you were profitable, uh, right away when you started I like most of us, it sounds like you had a, your learning curve. I was kind of the same way. I came in from a season long, you know, was, was kind of my background came in thinking, well, I know sports, so I should be able to be good at this. And then of course, like over time, you learn that there's a lot more math to it than sports. Like it's the not just about, your, the thing go about ahead. it. And I don't mean to cut you off. Sorry, no, 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 go ahead. A lot of people say, and I've heard, you know, a ton of people talk about this. You don't need to know, you know, anything about the sports, especially with tools and stuff. I don't necessarily believe that, but I also think that people who know the sports think they know too much, plain and simple, exactly. and try to outsmart the tools. There's, I don't want to say a happy medium, there's knowing the sport and knowing what to do with that. And that that's not always going to work, but knowing that you're never going to outsmart the tools. So you kind of have to combine everything. At least that's my approach. I mean, it seems like, I think to some extent you have to know what goes into the tools because you hear people all the time, like wanting to be like, you know, talk about 
home and away splits versus lefties, splits versus lefties versus righties, that kind of stuff. And it's like, that is all important data that all goes into the tools. So then if you yeah. factor it in on top of what the tools are telling you, you're just double counting and you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. It's not entirely like we, we some, sometimes we make fun of people who talk about like the ins and outs of the sports and sure there is value to knowing the sports for sure. You can find micro edges, but like in general, I'd say the better approach or, you know, you're, you're going to be at a disadvantage if you only know the sport and don't understand that the game theory, the math involved in DFS. You won't survive. Uh, yeah. You're just not going to survive. Uh, just trying to use the the micro, you know, little. As much as you know the sports and not you, but you, whoever yeah, yeah, is yeah. watching this video, whoever you is, there's me, there's you, there's thousands of people that think they know all those sports that, you know, as, as the old saying goes, you know, no matter how big you are, there's always someone bigger than you, no matter how much, you know, yeah. there's almost someone that knows more. It's this, it's this story all this time. So you have to know that going in. Yep. Exactly. Right. Um, so you said you wanted, you decided to take a shot on DFS. Uh, you also, were you just taking a shot on playing DFS or was that also when you got into DFS content or when did you start getting into doing some DFS content? Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. I love, love that question. So kind of both in one. So I started doing content, you know, shortly after, not shortly after, but, you know, six months after I started playing and started to kind of figure it out a little bit. Wasn't necessarily as profitable as I wanted to be, but started to figure it out. And I was watching videos on YouTube. There definitely wasn't as much content as there is now. I've been watching stochastic videos since the beginning. I'm not even sure at that point how many, I can't even remember. But there was more or there were some smaller time guys that were making videos. So I watched yeah. this one guy. Uh, his name was Ryan Kostrowski. And he had a company, a smaller company called the DFS Five Pack. Started watching him. Liked, I, I liked his content. I liked just his overall vibe. So I was like, reached out to him, kind of gave him, you know, my speech. Um, I'm good with that. As I said, with selling windows, I'm a good salesman. So <laughs> it's, it's in my blood. Um and, you know, approached him about working together. He was about it. You know, it was kind of too much on his plate. So we became co-partners in the DFS five pack, very small company, not like a lineup provider or anything like that, just a content provider, you know, Facebook groups, discord, that kind of stuff ended up with like 10,000 plus YouTube subscribers. Um, so we did a decent job, made some money, had some customers. It was fun. Ultimately though, like it just wasn't worth my time to continue to get new members because I didn't want to, you know, have, have people paying for new memberships and not be able to provide the content that I was once doing or wanted to give them. Sure. So uh, it was great for a while. Um, but now, as, as you know, I'm not doing a ton of it, but I'm doing some content for, for you guys and uh, potentially more. Yeah. I know that the, like literally the day before you came on to the MLB strategy show, you were in chat, we were, we were having a back and forth and then somebody yeah. noticed you in there and started asking you like, well, when are you going to start doing? So somebody who had been watching your videos was asking for you to start doing content again. And then uh, it just so happened that the very next day you were on the MLB strategy show uh, at Stochastic. So tell me that, when did you get your start at Stochastic? When do you start doing content here? Um, 
yeah, uh, t- tell me about uh, when you, when you got involved, how you got involved at Stochastic as well. So about a year ago, actually, not that mm-hmm. long ago, about a year ago, um, kind of around the time where, you know, I decided I wasn't going to take any new members for the five pack. It just wasn't worth it for me anymore. I wasn't trying to do solo videos every day like I was doing. And, you know, daily write-ups for every slate was getting to be not only monotonous, but just not really worth my time. So I still wanted to do content though. You know, when I say not worth my time, you know, everything, you know, money equals everything, right? If I was getting paid enough, it would have been worth my time. Sure. It just wasn't from that regard, especially with, you know, how profitable I was and, and you know, started to become a DFS, et cetera. So I don't know how I saw it, but I reached out to Tommy, uh, Tommy Stokey and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He'll probably kill me yeah. if I'm not. Editor-in-chief okay. at Stochastic. Tommy Stokey yeah. is, it's how I say it at least. I think okay, it's right. Okay, cool. So so we'll go down together if nothing else. Right. Um, yeah, that's my guy here. Um, you know, appreciate him. He's the one that's really set up everything for me to get on here. Uh, you know, reached out to him. I, I saw him like post something somewhere and, you know, he's needing like a writer for college football. And, you know, we just started talking. It. And I told him I wasn't really interested unless something could materialize full time. And, you know, he, he wanted to offer me per article, you know, eventually I wanted to do something. So I decided to take it, you know, per article, you know, I decided to take it uh, and start writing football articles. Uh, it matched well, um, yeah. me and him still talk all the time. So I know that this is kind of a slow period. I love baseball, but not everyone loves baseball as much as right. I do. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, as football season comes, I'll be doing more content, uh, cause I love the work that you guys do for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that you will too. Hopefully we can do some more content together, you know, going forward. Um, but so, so you, you got involved. Well, you're, with, kind, with you're kind to the ears, Neil, I gotta say. <laughs> so you, so you do both, do you still do writing during baseball season or is that just, uh, during NBA you're doing some writing? I now do. too? Okay. Yeah, I'm doing some writing. Um, yeah, I'm. I I love writing. That's something I've always just loved okay. doing. So uh, any excuse to write, I'll do it. Um. So yeah, I'm. I'm always trying to find whatever writing I can. Nice. Uh, and in which sport or sports do you think that you have the biggest edge in DFS? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I was just looking at my Roto Tracker results. So I don't think I could say anything but NBA. I guess at this point. Okay. Um, I don't really feel like that's the answer, although maybe it is because people talk. There's two two DFS things I wanted to talk about. I'm going to get one of them out of the way. Let's now. talk about them. People talk too much about ownership, especially in NBA. Like you, there's being different and there's being like off the reservation. And I sure. think too many people are focused on, you know, the, the different plays when really that's not what you need. If you're different in a couple spots, like in NBA specifically, baseball is a whole different story. Um, I think that people get too caught up in that. So I still think there's an edge in that. I think that people, you know, I personally think this is no sales plug or anything. So stochastics tools, excuse me, are so much better than anywhere else. Like people who don't have access to them, like, People who have access to them have an edge just based on that alone. I really feel that. You're talking way. about for, for, I mean, I feel that way. For all also, sports. Obviously for, for all sports. Okay. And for, for NBA in particular, where you think that you have the biggest edge, are you, are you using particular stochastic tools for NBA? Yeah. The boom bust. Uh, okay. It gives such a good, you know, you can't use any of that stuff as like, you know, as Bible, right. You got to sure. all take it with a grain of salt, but it gives you such a good idea of, 
you know, the good chalk, you know, players that you really shouldn't think about fading, you know, on the opposite hand, guys that are getting too much love, just a really great tool. Um, okay. I'm, I'm so, very thankful for it. So with that in mind, let me push back just a little bit on you saying sure. that you don't think that you think people talk about ownership too much. I okay. think, I think that what you might mean is that people, uh, don't use it correctly. Cause it sounds like you are saying like, yeah, you want to get different in a couple spots. So like you are oh, factoring sure. in ownership. For ownership those spots. matters. Ownership yeah. matters. And I'm, I'm a very contrarian player, at least, okay. you know, I've tried to, to not be as contrarian as I once was, because it's not about being right. It's about making the most money. You know, who cares right. if you are right exactly. if you don't win to your point. Yeah. I probably misspoke. I just think that the ownership gets talked about probably too much. Um, I think that people focused on, you know, I'm talking more about like the best plays on the slate and people are like, oh, you got to fade them because of so much oh, sure. ownership. Right. Um, I think that that's a bad way of thinking. And I think that that's a big edge, especially in NBA without projectable it is. Yeah, no, I, so I, I agree with you there that people definitely misuse. Like I think for, for me, ownership is obviously a, it's a gigantic part of my game. So that's why I'm like, I don't Same. know that I I fully okay. So it's a, a gigantic part of your game as well. So that's yeah. That's why I had to just push back a little bit because I'm like, I don't think I, I don't, I don't think okay. I'm understanding what I'll you're say saying it like correctly. this. Okay. Okay. No, it's probably my fault. Or it is my fault. I'll, I'll, ownership is a big part of my game too. But I think in NBA, people are so focused on being different in spots where yes. you don't need to be different. Yep. Okay. And it's minus EV to be different. Now we're on the same page. Which is also like for, for NBA showdown in particular, like sometimes I'm like, I don't know that you can build a good lineup on this particular slate. It's particularly hard for, for me, at least on showdown in large field where it's like, man, I, I want to get different, but like, so, so I'm not duplicated a million times, like, but then you just give up so much projection and it's so projectable that it's uh it's a little bit exactly. tougher for NBA. Like, you guys talk about giving up projection and stuff in MLB. That means nothing yeah. to me. I don't yeah, care. Exactly. And you could tell me you played a, basically any type of lineup and I could say, okay. In yeah. NBA, that's just not the case. And I th think people oftentimes want to be on the reservation and be all by themselves, yeah. even though it's gotten a lot sharper, you know, throughout the years for sure. Definitely. Um, I think that that uh, is still an edge in NBA specifically. Okay. Since I didn't say that one right, let's see if I can get my other DFS point out there. And I've heard, you talking, I've heard you talking about this a bunch. And I just want to hear like kind of your opinion on this. Sure. Pitchers with their stack. Okay. Yes, yes. People talk about, and I've heard you talk about this, that there's not too much correlation, but if any, there's positive correlation because you get the win with the pitcher if the stack goes off. Yep. I get, I agree with that. I don't think that's wrong at all, but there is negative correlation. And we've seen it a couple of times. If your stack goes off the way you want your stack to go off, score seven, eight runs, whatever, your pitcher is very unlikely to go beyond, you know, 90 pitches unless he's like straight rolling. Sure. Musgrove happened to Musgrove the other day, last week, once when he was popular, the Padres scored like 10 runs and they took him out after 85 pitches. I don't know why this is like something I've been holding on to forever. I just <laughs> had to get that off my chest and now I feel better about myself. I, I have thought about that before that it's like, well, there is that, that aspect of if you're, as you said, if your stack goes completely off, like they're not going to be pitching the, the pitcher into the eighth, ninth inning, if they're up 10 runs or whatever. So there, there is that. Potential. And that is negative correlation. Yeah, like, that, that, is, is. that is negative correlation. Yeah, because you're you'll get the four points for the win, but if you lose a full inning, like a full inning is probably worth approximately four points, maybe more than four points. I don't know right. what the the average is. So, so I, I hear your point. Okay, um, that's I, all I'm I curious. Needed. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so so I will say I've found in in using the MLB lineup generator, there they often the the stacks that are used in MLB lineup generator do have the pitcher with the stack in okay. there, which which I think I might be just be. No, 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 I, I actually, I don't think that it is. Uh, I have no idea if that, if that correlation is factored into the lineup generator. It might just be because a lot of the times it's like, oh, there's only four games on the slate. It's not going to use sure. any pitchers against batters. So, like, yeah, it kind of makes sense, even not factoring in correlation at all, that uh, you're just going to end up with a pitcher on the same stack because Fair. you're not going to be, you know, it's, it's just so we're clear. Also, I don't like build like, like I don't not use my pitcher with my lineup because of that. I right. just think that's something that's just like there's small positive correlation with the win and the. The positive correlation is more guaranteed, right? If your stack goes off, like sure. you're going to get the win unless you suck and it doesn't really matter if you get the win or not. With right. pitching deep into the game, there's some nuance there. Like if he's throwing a no-hitter, sure, he's going to keep going. Or if he's very low pitch count, he's going to keep going. But there is slight negative correlation. Just had to get that out in the ether. That's all. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a good point to get out there. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you for bringing that to, to this show. <laughs> thank all <right>. you. <laughs> all right, let's talk a little bit about process. So- Starting here, uh, do you do any simulations or use simulations from outside sources as part of your process? So an app and a website app, whatever you want to call it, I use a, I do a lot of stuff on my phone. Not sure if you're familiar. familiar. It's a projection-based app called LineStar. Okay. Um, I've been using it kind of since the beginning. I don't necessarily use it for their projections because they're off. But, excuse me, I'm a firm believer in like the more info, the better. So the more places you're looking, the more you can learn, the better off you are. They've got a really simple optimizer slash lineup builder that I use um, to kind of just give me a base. I don't want to say a first base because it's not like the first thing I do in my research, sure. but depending on how many lineups I'm making that specific night, I'll usually build something like that and then see how far off I am on my own. Interesting. Okay. Um, so you use that optimizer. Is that, I mean, you use, I know that you hand build, but you were saying earlier that you are familiar with several different optimizers. Like, is that a regular part of your process to use optimizers to like look at the kinds of lineups that it gives you? Or is that just like a, occasionally you like to use optimizers? I would say I, it's not like an everyday type thing, but it's also not an occasional type thing. Okay. The bigger the slate, I think kind of the more I'd like to see what optimizers are spitting out just because there's so many more options, you know, naturally. Um, but I guess the best way I can answer your question is, do I need to do that to make my lineups? No. Okay. Yep. Uh, do you do your own projections from scratch? No. Do you do honestly? Your own? And just and people who do that, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, yeah. there's, there's nothing better than having your own projections. I really trust Osmo's Stochastics tools. Uh, they've been very, very profitable for me. If you know how to use them, I don't think I could create anything that's better than them. That's my stance as well. I don't don't do my own stuff because I like I'm not going to do better than the guys are doing behind no. the scenes here. Um, what, what about uh, is it the same answer for ownership projections? Do you do any anything on your own there? No, and I wouldn't even know how if I wanted to. Yeah, me neither. It'd be it would it'd be a learning curve there for sure. Um, all right. So the, the next question that I had on my list, we kind of already went over how much does ownership play a role in creating your lineups? I don't think we need to rehash that unless you, unless you want to, I mean, you, it sounds like it does play a big role for you. Uh, although you do think that people maybe misuse them in trying to get too so, contrarian. I can kind of speak from, you know, personal, you know, from my history, when I was first playing, 
all I would think about was, man, this guy's going to get so much ownership. I'm going to fade him. It's all about fading. You sure. know, you got to fade the right play. You see that in chat all the time. Fade, 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 like blah, blah, blah. Like that's not even what it's about at all. It's something that Adam talks about a lot. Um, and I think he's one of the most knowledgeable people, especially for baseball, but really in any sport. Um, it's not about the, the the ownership percentage of like one player in particular. That's the right. ownership percentage of your lineup. So you know, I think people get too caught up in that one specific player. It's not ever about the one player. I guess that kind of when it goes into what I was talking about before that I, I didn't, I didn't uh, really, it did not come out well, if you will. I think, I think you got there eventually. Thank you. I think you explained cool. it pretty well. Um, Sweet. But yeah, I think that uh, that's a really good point that it really is about the entire line of us all. Cause really the goal of this game is to score the most fantasy points possible. Right. And generally you're going to need the players who are likely to do well. And usually those are going to be the higher projected uh, in terms of ownership, as well as their, their higher projections. So yeah, you kind of need to eat some other. It's, it's funny seeing people tilt on Twitter sometimes about individual players. And it's like, sometimes I am like, yes, that player, like there are some sites where I'm like, that player is clearly overowned relative to like sure. their odds of success here. But a lot of the time it's like, yeah, there's, there's a reason that player was as high owned as they are. And they, they should be that high owned. Um, always, always Especially a funny conversation. NBA. Oh yeah. For NBA, it's like, yeah, the 3,500 guy, are you going to tilt the 3,500 backup point guard who's starting uh, 80% owned? Like, yeah, he should be more than 80% owned most, most likely. Um, Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always a balance. I'm thinking about, thinking about some of the big wins I had in NBA this year. Thinking about that lineup I sent you on my first ever GDP yeah. win. If you get like one or two guys that go off at low percentage, like I'm thinking about Jimmy. I remember one of my wins this year was Jimmy Butler going off in Philly. Everyone else in the lineup was like, you know, 30%, 40, 50, 60, whatever it was in high stakes. But Butler was so low owned. That's all I needed. And I right. think that's a lot of NBA. I think it is too. Just making a couple pivots usually is going to be enough uh, to, to get different enough. You still want to have a lineup that's highly projected. You see people making like sacrificing 40 points in terms of projection. It's like, that's not how you play NBA. DFS. No, you don't want to that's be the edge. Yeah, exactly. Like in baseball, that might be an edge, but the way it works out, like might not necessarily be an edge because suboptimal lineups, you know, 
whether it's DFS lineups or actual lineups go off all the time. Right. Yep. That's a very good point. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Matthew Bellman to introduce you to Stochastic's latest innovation in the world of daily fantasy sports. And it's a big one. It's the MLB Sims tool. This cutting edge tool is set to revolutionize the way you approach lineup building. With MLB Sims, you can now simulate lineups against each other thousands of times, unlocking unprecedented insights and in-depth metrics that enable you to identify the best lineups. This tool is unlike anything currently on the market. Simply upload a lineup CSV and with a click of a button, simulate the upcoming slate thousands of times with Stochastic's proprietary MLB simulation technology easily determine the best stacks, individual players, and lineup construction that leads to high ROI lineups. This tool is set to change the game. Don't fall behind. Get your edge today with Stochastic MLB Sims. Visit stochastic.com for more details. Um, Would you call yourself an exploitative player trying to take advantage of the field's mistakes? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You have to be. Right. It's kind of like the, the, I mean, there, there are people who just try to just make the best lineup portfolio in terms of like playing people. Like I, I know that nerdy tenor is the example that I was thinking of. He's trying to play uh, stacks or players at like the exact rate that you should uh, obviously making lineups that still make sense around them and then let the field mis- make mistakes. So then like, if, you know, if, if ownership projection ends up being wrong, it doesn't affect him either way, but that's a very, very difficult, maybe even impossible thing to do for most of us. So I think that for, for at least 99% of us playing exploitatively is going to be the way to win in the long term, taking advantage of where the field gets things wrong. I um, also look at like ownership projections. as just that projections. It's just right. a guide. And yeah, they're I'm not going to say they're never going to be right, but they're never going to be exactly they're not right. be perfect. More, yeah, no, it's more just to tell you, you know, to, to tell me, excuse me, you know, the levels of it, like who's going to be higher on than who. And most of the right. time that works out. Yeah. But I try not to, especially because I'm a hand builder and I'm usually only playing, you know, 10 to 15 lineups a night. Um, I don't know. It's that fine line, right? It's it's, you know, not taking it too far, but also keeping it in mind. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a difficult balance. It really is a difficult balance, um, which is why things like the lineup generator, which balances it for you. I I've given this pitch a million times. It's not even, uh, that's not something I'm trying to sell on the show today, the lineup generator, but I do think that it is useful for things like that because it balances out your lineups for you in terms of ownership versus projection. But yeah, it is, it's a delicate balance there, uh, is avoiding being duplicated by other players, a big part of your strategy in any contest. It's not going to happen with how I play. It just will not happen. I mean, sure, it might happen in like an NBA showdown where the pool is so small right. yeah. and I'm playing higher stakes and I'm trying not to go that far off projections like we talked about. Yeah. Showdown, I think that's one time in NBA where you can go that outside projections because just because the contests are so top heavy. But that's another conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, for sure, to answer your question. I, I mean, that, that's another question that I have here. So we'll skip to that one. Uh, does your strategy differ for showdown versus main slates? I don't really like showdown. I don't play it that much. I know you're like a showdown king. Um, just not something that, you know, I'll play it tonight. It's the NBA finals. Um, you know, I've had some success playing it, but I just don't love it. I don't love the format. I don't love how one play, one possession changes so much. Um, you don't really know what you're rooting for because I just, it's just not for me. I, I'll play it occasionally, especially when there's nothing else on, but it's not really my cup of tea. Okay. And to be clear, I only really love football showdown, NFL, XFL, okay. I guess as well. Um, but like 
I don't really play MLB showdown. I play NBA showdown mostly just because it's all that's left at the end of the year for NBA. And I really enjoy watching the games and I'm doing content related to it. So I'm like, I'm going to play if I'm doing content on it, but really the, the only showdown that I actually love is NFL. So I'm, I'm okay. sort of, I'm, I'm halfway with you in terms of showdown. Um, do you, do you sweat the games? Do you actually watch the games after you, you've made your lineups? Oh yeah. I watch a ton. Of, I watch a ton of sports. I watch a ton of games. One thing I do not do though, is check DraftKings. Okay. I did not check DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever it is until the very end because it does not matter until the very end. And I don't want to, especially I'm not playing so many lineups where I can't really remember what my lineups are. Also, usually I'll have my lineups in a separate place, whether it's on LineStar or another program I'm using, et cetera, so I can see how they're doing. And I have a feel if I'm doing well. I just know. Uh, usually it's spot on. Sometimes it's not, you know, depending on, on you know, ownership, other teams going off, et cetera. Uh, but I definitely watch the games and I do not open DraftKings. All right. So you're like sort of half sweating then. Yeah. You're not like, yeah, you're, you're like sweating the games. Like you, you have an idea of what you need to happen, but you're not watching specific lines. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. That's, that's a good way to do it. I think. Um, all right. And then, uh, w- one final question. I, I like to ask people, uh, not, not a final question. I have listener questions and stuff to go to, but, uh, I like it. I'm curious what you, how you see the, the DFS landscape changing going forward. Do you think that we're going to be getting smaller contests, DFS going away with sports betting, you know, becoming more prominent? Um, how, how, how do you see the DFS landscape going forward? If you have any opinion on it? I think those are very valid questions and, you know, kind of we're talking about this. I think that you were on about the DFS sim, about 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 AI. I think because I remember I was in chat for a little bit of it. Okay. I can't remember who you were doing a show with. Kind of go, falls into that same umbrella. Uh, I'm not entirely sure myself. The second part of your question, I know that FanDuel, you know, already they get shit on a lot for their DFS product. And their sports betting product is just so much more profitable for them. Yeah. I really don't see anything changing there. DraftKings, though, really seems to care about their DFS product. So do. I don't know the numbers or anything like that. But, I mean, the product is so much better, especially if you're a higher-end player, you know, and have a rep and, and all that free stuff, all that all that stuff. They go the extra mile. FanDuel certainly does not. But I will say thank you very much for bringing up FanDuel on the last video we <laughs> did. Because that is – I don't want to say the only reason I was playing, but it's one of those things where, like, I don't know. It's just – it's not aesthetically pleasing for me. So I just will play on DraftKings so much more than FanDuel. So you so you like DraftKings better than FanDuel in general. Do you, do you think that one is uh, easier in terms of competition than the other? Yep, FanDuel is probably easier now because less people play it. The contests aren't as big and aren't as sharp. Um, What's funny is I brought it up to you and I'm realizing like I haven't been playing FanDuel recently at all because I've, I've cut back my volume as I've realized like I'm just not as good at DFS when I'm on live before. Live. It's just so much harder to like talk know. about a show while making lineups. So I've cut back my volume and it's been FanDuel. I should have probably just cut out DraftKings because I do think that FanDuel is going to be more profitable for me long term if I display all my volume there. I don't disagree with that. I was and to speak on your doing shows and making lineups. I did the live before lock show last Sunday not this past Sunday, but the one before that I made, again, I'm not like a multi, like I don't make 150 lineups for baseball, but I made like 13 or whatever it was for that day. And I made them all before the show because all the lineups were out. But I was like, man, 
the whole time I was sweating, like if an injury happened, especially because it was like my first show with EMAC. It was only my second show total. Right. I was sweating an injury, like somebody getting scratched. I was also like, damn, like what if all the lineups hadn't been out? That is one thing I like about Sunday MLB, but I totally get it. Like if I were on a show like tonight, like night live before lock where all the lineups might not be out, they're coming out during the show. It's too hard. It really, yeah. You're setting yourself up to fail. You are. Yeah. Like I, I think that once you've had success as DFS, so like coming into last summer, I had been on just a roll DFS wise. And then I started doing baseball shows like leading up to lock regularly. You forget how difficult it is. So like I start doing like, right. oh, whatever, like I'm not really gonna be able to concentrate as I'm doing a show. So I was 150 maxing for months and just watching my, all my profits go down the tubes. And it was like, eventually I realized, okay, I can't really be 150 maxing while I'm on a show leading up to lock. It's just because it, it's like, okay, I can make fine lineups. I can make lineups that are stacked. I can do 150 stacked fine lineups, but they're not going to be as good as if I like were actually like really thinking hard about it, really trying to find every little micro edge that I can, because I mean, you really need all those tiny little edges. I struggle with this still. I mean, just part of something I struggle with, but uh, an old bookie of mine always used to tell me there's always games tomorrow. And that's how it is yeah. with DFS too, right? Like, and I need to kind of, you know, listen to what I preach, praise what I preach, if you will, because I don't, but it's so true. Like it's, it's so easy to say when you're talking, telling it to someone else, like, dude, there's always games tomorrow. Why are you tripping? Right. right. But then it's like, but I want to, I want to sweat games tonight. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, mean, so I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's because we're, we're all degen. So it's a little I bit, get uh, I get it. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's, um, Speaking of sports betting, I know that I, I've seen that you had some very profitable sports bets on your timeline. Do you do you prefer? How do you feel about sports betting versus DFS? Do you have a preference there? I prefer DFS. It's more fun. Um, my history, I've done a lot more sports betting than DFS. Um, just, I've yeah. Actually, at this point, I, I said I've been playing DFS since like 2017. So a couple of years before that, I really got into sports betting. That was another thing that got me into DFS. Also, I didn't even mention was sports betting was always something I was into. Um, you know, now it's legal here. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I really like sports betting as far as like what's more fun. It's DFS, though. Yeah, DFS. It's a more fun sweat. It's uh, it's just the potential is so much higher. Like you're. You're not yeah, going to win a hundred thousand right? sports betting unless I mean I guess you can you, do parlays no, unless you, you but can, generally you you can win a hundred thousand dollars betting but you're either putting down a hundred thousand dollars on a straight wager or right. you're betting you know twenty grand on you know round robins or whatever or you're putting in like a hundred dollars to win something that's never going to hit right. so the upside is so much more on any given night in DFS. Yep, agreed. Which. Yeah, to me, makes it more fun. Hopefully, the the field doesn't go away as we get more sports. But hopefully, there are enough of us who think like we do, where DFS is just more fun for all that upside. Um, all right, we do have a few listener questions here, uh, and so, so the first one is from the sport guy asking, "What's his ROI so far this year?" You can answer that if you want to. Uh, if you don't want to answer, because it's it's obviously a very personal question. Uh, what do you think is like a a good ROI to shoot for for somebody who's like trying to become a professional in DFS? Do you do you have an answer there? Well, first, I wish you'd asked me this two weeks ago because it's been a rough couple of weeks. Oh, As it? a high-stakes player, I know Adam talks about this. Like, it goes quickly. Like, yes, when you're playing, sure you know, Max entering, the, you know, the 888 or whatever, and you're cashing one or two lines a day, you know, for a week, that's – you need the wins. Um, yep. So what do I think a good ROI is or what someone should shoot for? I think that if, like, some someone who's – 
just doing this for fun and entertainment, uh, any ROI is good. Any positive right, it's ROI positive, is yeah. good for those people. Like you're doing something good. You're, so I mean, because like, rake doing... is what 15% on like the, the biggest contest. So like to beat the rake is impressive in itself for, for most people. Um, yeah, I think that like a good ROI that I think that, you know, someone should, you know, look to maintain, I guess like 5%, 10%. I'm not sure exactly. Um, my ROI for this past year is high. Um, for this current can... year? Yeah, for like this past year, you can give me a number and I'll tell you higher or lower. All right. I'm going to give you uh, 12%. Higher. Wow. Okay. Uh, 15%. Slightly higher. Do we, do we want to keep going to this game until I nail your actual ROI? <laughs> I mean, it's it's slightly higher than 15%. Okay. Um, so it's been a very good year. And that all comes down to, again, something else Adam talks about a lot, the finishing in 1%. I haven't oh, yeah. calculated that out, but I feel like I've done a good job of when I've been up at the top of taking them down. Not every okay. time, but I feel like I've done a good job of it. Um, and yeah, it was just a really, really good year in NBA. Obviously qualifying, qualifying six times for the live final, um, you know, won a bunch of tournaments, have had, yeah. you know, haven't had nearly the success in, in MLB so far that I've had that I had in NBA. Um but I did still have a couple good wins in MLB. So no complaints over there. Um, yeah. My ROI has been the best it's ever been. I'll say that. Yeah. That, that's really awesome. And yeah, I mean, you've always done well in MLB. I also think it's worth noting, like some people will hear that ROI and be like, I have a better ROI than that. And as people playing like 50 bucks a day, and it's like, it's so much easier to have a high ROI if you are I mean, playing lower volume. That's, that's the other thing I was thinking about when I was looking at this, because I was a little bit surprised by it. And I was thinking, man, what was it a couple weeks ago? Because it's definitely gone down. I was looking at my fees paid and I was like, yeah, yeah. And most people are not playing for this amount of volume. I can tell you that. Yeah. Ultimately, what we care about is is the dollar amount. And, you know, 15% if you're playing a million bucks is a lot higher than 30% if you're playing 50 bucks, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's harder to maintain a high ROI, the higher volume goes. And of course it's more money involved also. So you see a lot of like the top pros will post like 5% ROI and that's great. Cause they're making a that's ton great. of money. That's, that's day over day, over day, over day. So it's like a like ton of money this, to get 5% ROI. What I did like the 15% that I'm at over the past year is not sustainable at all. It's right. been a great year. It's not going to continue like that. It's been nice because I know that the, the rough streaks will come. And when you have really good good success like that, it can carry you during those bad times. That being said, and I just talked about this, it's been a rough couple of weeks. That it hurts a lot. Like, you know, it just does. That's part of the game. It's it's a grind. And even today, like I was talking to my wife about it. Um, it still hurts. You know, those the losses never feel any better. No, it's a it's a it's a it's a screws with your mind a little bit this game it's the uh, you know you can you can do great for a while and then like a losing streak for just like a very brief period of time you start thinking start questioning yourself and then if that gets extended it just becomes more and more like man it's like we know that it's part of the game to have long losing streaks it also every time you do it makes you question everything you know like was i just getting lucky before like what what is going on now what's right yeah it's uh it's it's a tough game it is a tough game that we play to, uh, to bobby Gomes yesterday who uh you know, I'm sure obviously you you know of yeah, I know about I don't know if you know him. Um he took down the 888, he got first, second, and third on Sunday. I saw that. And yeah. I yeah, I was messaging him about it, just like congrats. And we were just talking about how like, man, 
consistently cashing is so needed. It's never talked about, but like to stay in the game, you have to consistently cash. Right. And it's been, he was even saying it's been like a difficult stretch in MB in, in MLB. And I feel his pain. Um, the fields are sharp and it's, it's, it's a hard game right now. It is. It's, it's, I mean, it's tougher, tougher than ever, only going to get tougher, most likely. All right. We got another question from Jeremy King who asked, uh, Matt, do you have a picture with your most recent DraftKings summer package with your, you know, your bucket hat, your towel, your bag, anything like that you can share with us? No, I was really impressed when you posted the picture of you in the bucket hat. I can't do it. We were talking about hats before this. I just, a bucket hat is not something I can pull off. You take too much pride in your hats. You, you really like yeah. your, your new era hats, so you're not going to go to a bucket hat. No, I'm not going to go to a bucket hat. I don't know where they think of these things. I'm never complaining about free stuff, <laughs> but I don't know how they think of this stuff. The one thing I do love, though, that's not getting talked about is the towel. I'm a huge towel guy. Love it's a towels. great towel. It's a it's fantastic a great towel. towel. It's great huge. Yeah. Soft. I can't yep. believe it's not getting more pub. I love the no. towel. The towel and, and the bag is also a nice sturdy bag. Like bag I'm not a huge nice. bag guy, but it's like this is this is a pretty nice sturdy bag. So overall, I'd say I say they did a good good job with it. But yeah, I don't think many of us are going to be uh, wearing bucket hats all the time. If I'm being honest with you, I, I was actually leaving to go to a pool day at my uh, my sister in law's house, and then I saw the bag. I was like, oh, we got to take a picture. I got to put this on. We got to take a, a picture That's real funny. quick. I don't think I've worn the bucket hat outside of that one photo op. Um, yeah, it's it's just not something. Speaking that, of. Uh... Not wearing stuff. This is a, a kind of a funny story, a little tangent. So the Onyx Rewards, I'm yeah. pretty sure you, you chose the Apple one like most I people did. did. Yep. Well, I had two credits. And of course, like an idiot, I told my wife about it right away. So she was like, <laughs> I'm I'm definitely getting an Apple thing. And you're an idiot if you don't get another Apple thing. Because like, why would you get the shoes? That's so stupid, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, damn, like, this isn't even for you. Like, why did I even tell you about this? I want the shoes. She's like just laughing at me. So I'm like, all right, I'll just get two Apple things. So one for her, one for me. I didn't decide till like the last minute because I could not decide. So we just got the stuff like two weeks ago. Okay. I've barely opened my Apple stuff. And I'm so upset about it because it's like I could have these cool shoes that could be on display. I get it. Like new Apple stuff is really cool. I just and I will use it eventually. But like, I don't need any of the Apple stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that I need there. So it's like, sure. I'm not dying to go open it. Yeah, I hear you. I've already, I've, I think I've actually only resold one of them. I, ha I have okay. an iPad. So I sold the iPad that I got for like 500 bucks. Um, I'm also yeah. really lazy about that stuff. So like, Me I too. need a new phone. Me too. Yeah, I need a new phone and I have a new phone sitting in my living room in the box, but I'm just too lazy to do it and set it up. It took, it took me a couple of weeks too to okay. make the switch over to the new phone. I'm not so, the only one. So I hear you. It's funny that you were thinking about the shoes because I've talked with people about like, who would choose these shoes? Like you can't, me. there's no like value to it. So, so are there you There is though. Guy? Okay. I'm a big shoe guy and there is value because they don't sell those, obviously. And I did a little research, not that there's much on them. DraftKings did a giveaway like three years ago during one of the NBA finals where they were giving away those shoes. Oh, now okay. I couldn't find them like for resale somewhere, but like stuff like that. And I have a ton of shoes that I never wear. I it's great display. I think it's art. It's a great display piece. So okay. I'm sure that's what my wife was. She was like, who the hell would get those shoes? Like you're such an idiot. I mean, I know there are a lot of sneakerheads <laughs> out there. So if you yeah, are, a secret, it just, from what I've heard that the resale value of those customized shoes in particular from what I've heard is not as high as just like getting the Jordans Fair. or like, Oh, of know. course I, I get that. Um, but I'll also say like to counter that point, just 
about the Apple stuff. Like how much is the Apple stuff worth a year from now or two years from now? True. You got to sell it immediately if you're going to sell it. Immediately. Yep. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Um, all right. So, so you thought about the issues. Uh, the not- other thing I'll say is, hold on. This is what I t- told her. I feel strong about this. They would not offer the shoes like with all that other stuff unless they were worth something. Like they sure. wouldn't just be like, okay, like idiots choose the shoes. Like they had to have some sort of value for them to be on that list of things. That's all I'll say. I'll let unless, it unless they can just spot a mark, Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I liked you up until then. <laughs> uh, by the way, the, the chair that you're, I forgot to mention this. You're, you're wearing, you have a DraftKings chair that you're sitting on right now. How did you get that? I d- I got that. I think I used crowns for this. Yeah. Used crowns for this. Um, a couple of years ago, like didn't need an office chair. thought it was cool. If, um, if you didn't see uh, our producer, Mike just stood up to show you that he has a Buffalo Bills oh. chair. That's actually from the Buffalo Bills quarterback room that he's sitting on that he got for free. So, uh, yeah. While we were waiting for you because you were patently late, he was telling me the story about the Bills chair and it's, I love stuff like that. Like when stuff happens just like out of nowhere, like he bought the chair not knowing, but then the guy told like that. I just love shit like that. Yeah. It's a very cool story. Uh, So you guys both have great chairs. Um, All right. Uh, Moving on. Nathan Van Harris, who apparently, you know, asked, has the hand building method increased in efficiency since we last talked? Also, when can we get another shark cove with you for the summer split? Hope all's well. Game stack King Bellman. Okay, so this is kind of a three-part question. Yeah. Uh, I'll answer number two first with the Shark Cove. That's like another YouTube show. It's an LOL show that, okay. uh, you know, a uh, guy Chris Emmerich puts, up, puts out. I've been on it a couple of times just talking League of Legends. As far as like the hand-building efficiency, I know he's talking about LOL because that's – I hand-build all my lineups. But LOL is the only sport that I like truly multi-enter. So – like tonight they have a 70 entry max. I'll enter 70 lineups and I'll do them all by hand. I don't wow. suppose you know how to build LOL lineups, but it's very easy. Like it's, it does not take long. The process is tedious and annoying, but it's not like it's, you know, you're using two teams and then using different players from those two teams. Um, it's hard to explain like off the spot, but it's okay. different than any other sport. Um, the building is, tenuous and i don't love doing it but i really enjoy watching league of legends and i still do it so no it has not proved improved on efficiency and then the last part of that the game stacking in lol like in any other sport you can game stack you know use two teams that are playing against each other it's similar though the closest thing to it i in dfs in my opinion is using an your offense against your hitter because or against your pitcher against because in order for your offense to do well or for your LOL team to do well, the other team is losing points. Right. But that doesn't mean that in, you know, on the perfect scenario, they can't both do really well. So I've been known to game stack and take down tournaments where, you know, I think it's a losing proposition to do it all the time, but I've had fun with it, but I've won a bunch of tournaments and it's become like a meme. Nice. That's funny. Um, okay, so you do play LOL. So I, I was going to skip over this question from uh, Kane, another another guest of High Stakes, uh, asks you about, do you prefer, uh, in, in regards to lanes, top or bottom, what so do you I prefer? He's play, talking about. I don't play LOL. I play oh, LOL this is a, DFS. Okay, so this is a question like about actual, if you play LOL. Okay. And I do not. Okay, It's a very right. complicated game. 
I'm not like a gamer. I used to play video games growing up, like Madden, all the sports games. I was never a big like gamer, like the adventure games. I have tried to like learn how to play this and even understand what's going on when I watch it. I just cannot get it. I mean, it's been years at this point, like since COVID. I love watching it. I love the team fights. I still could not tell you, even when I'm watching it, what is happening. Yeah, it's, uh, so I, I never got into it. Even during COVID, I just stopped playing DFS for a little. I was one of the few who was just like, wow. oh, I guess I'm not playing DFS for a few months. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, so I, I lost out on, maybe I played a little bit of KBO, but didn't get into uh, LOL at all. Final question we got, which uh, I'll, I'll ask you. Lil Guds asked, ask him why he's so handsome. Pretty sure that was just a question that was uh, designed to make you uncomfortable. Do you, do you know this Lil Guds person? I do. I know him. Uh, okay. Someone I know from home. Okay. So I guess you'd have to ask my mom and dad how I got so handsome, huh? All right. That's, uh, that's, good. that's a good response there. All right. Well, we have made it through all the questions that I had for you, except for one. We will close out uh, my, my usual closing out question. Tell me about your favorite win or win celebration. So this got me excited when, you know, I saw this earlier. There's no celebration uh, that had like, I, you know, you take everything like there's always a slate tomorrow, right? So there's always more work to do. Never like a sure. huge celebration. But man, I remember, you know, this was like the first year of playing. And it wasn't really playing like high stakes at all. But I decided to start entering like the 153 entry max, you know, a couple times a week. And I'll, I'll never forget it. Oklahoma City at Orlando. Um, Aaron Gordon, who I was like, just a huge fan of, was 1% owned and went for a 70 ball. I remember watching this game like from this exact seat, not the DraftKings chair. And just, it was a night I'll never forget. And it really, you know, I wouldn't say that that like changed the game for me, but it really, you know, opened up the potential. And I started and I only, only got better from there. So I'll never forget that. And Man, just thinking back, like taking a stroll down memory lane, looking at that lineup that I sent to you, a couple of things really stand out. And I was doing even more research on this afterwards. Four players in that lineup are in the series tonight. Yeah, Aaron Gordon, cool. who I mentioned, KCP, Bam Adebayo, and then Ish Smith. Yeah. Bam Adebayo was 3,600 in his rookie year, yeah. starting for the injured Hassan Whiteside. Played 35 minutes and only got like 18 drafting points, which was still fine. And then the big thing for me, and this was just a lesson on DFS, Kristaps Porzingis was really popular that night and went down after four minutes, like rolled his ankle. Okay. I obviously did not have him, and that was a huge reason I won. Right. So it just got me really understanding that like, no matter how good you are, all that stuff, like on any given night, it takes luck. I always tell For people sure. to ask me about DFS to be successful in DFS, like long-term takes skill, but on any given night, it's luck. hundred percent. Just like poker, just like, you know, mo sure. most, I'd say poker is probably the closest, the, the most similar thing to DFS where people I know most me, people came from the poker industry that are now in DFS. Exactly. Tons of, tons of the DFS pros came from poker because they understand that they, I think that that's just, just the understanding of like, yeah. You're gonna lose more often than you win. And poker, maybe you win more than you do in DFS. But like DFS, if you're playing GPPs, you're gonna lose most nights. It's just a matter of winning big on the nights that you win and being able to withstand the losing streaks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. No, Adam, another thing Adam talks about, like when people in the chat will be like, This stack is like definitely not going off tonight. Like you're probably right. Like that right. stack probably right. isn't going off because most nights that stack isn't going off. According um, to our Sims, there's a 94% yeah. chance that stack is not going off. So yes, right. congrats. So like 
that inherently is kind of like what I was talking about with the ownership and NBA. But just to follow back on that really quick, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Ownership matters. And that's, you know, ownership is a big part of how I'm making my lineups in all sports. Okay. All right. Uh, final question is where, where can people find you, Matthew? Th- thanks a lot for coming on by the way, but uh, yeah, tell, tell me where they can find you. They can find me um, on Twitter at fantasy tips, Matt I'm doing some content for you guys right now, hopefully more, especially as you know, the season gets busier, et cetera, et cetera. Other than that, you can find me uh, at the daycare, picking up my daughter most afternoons. <laughs> All right. So yeah, either stalk him at the daycare or you can find him on Twitter at fantasy tips, Matt, sometimes on the stochastic YouTube channel, hopefully more throughout the summer. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on Matthew Bellman. Thank you to Mike Lawrence for producing. As always, you can find Mike Lawrence on Twitter at awesome. Yo, and thank you for watching episode 37 of high stakes. Episode 38 of high stakes should be available two weeks from today on Friday in the middle of the afternoon on the Stochastic YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.